The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. The theme of the week, winning on the road. If you missed the podcast, you will be made fun of. And College Game Day making its first trip to Duke for football. This is the College Game Day podcast for Friday, September 29th. Reese Davis and Pete Thamel here. The big fella, Stanford Steve, has sent his picks along. Unable to join us right now. That's okay. You'll be good to go tomorrow morning for College Game Day. Putting games on the fridge, winning, trying to get a super dog right. Hopefully somebody other than Pat McAfee will get a super dog right at some point this season. He's running away and hiding with the competition. Maybe we should have Pat on to help us make picks, especially upset picks one week, Pete. Do we have our standings uh, readily available here? I don't. Someone referenced them, and I don't see them. We, um, I've heard do. they're not exactly. Uh, None of us are going to get hired by Brent Musburger's uh, gambling company, um, from what I've heard. <laughs> the, the early the early results are the overall results. Last week, Steve was five one and one. There was a push. I don't know okay. which one was. I'm sorry. Push. There were there were two pushes there. I, I failed to account for that. So everyone got two pushes, but it doesn't really matter okay. in this in in terms of the standings. Okay. So five one and two, I was four two and two, and you were three three and two. So Steve had a good week. You and I were fine. And overall, Steve is twenty four sixteen and two. I'm twenty twenty and two, the epitome of mediocrity. And you are eighteen twenty two and two. So I don't know if we're helping the people or not, but it's uh, but it's it's fun to do anyway. So getting to Duke. That leaves six Power Five schools where College Game Day has never visited. Cal, Illinois, who missed a big chance last mm. year. Maryland, who Taylor believes that we're headed there soon. The State University of New Jersey, Rutgers, Syracuse, and Virginia. I wouldn't put any money on going to Virginia this year, but Syracuse, who knows? Got Clemson this week, and uh, and we could wind up at your alma mater before this is over, Pete. We could. We could. I'd be remiss if we didn't rag on Stanford Steve a little bit. He's such a nice, likable guy that uh, we, we could probably be, and he's been such a great addition to College Game Day, um, we, we could probably just skip over it. But um, go ahead. No, I was just counting. Oh, you're I see, counting. Yeah, you and I are influencing each other. You make fun of me all the time because before I take someone to task, you say that I say two that's, good things about that's them, right. Well, I'm going to say one nice thing about, about Steve. Yeah, you said no, that's fair. That's fair. Steve. I thought you were like raising your hand, like you had a point, like I'm you sorry. wanted to make no. fun of him first, and I would have totally no. let you. By the way, no, no, no. I was just uh, counting. That's this all. is where you know we uh, we reveal deep dark secrets. Uh, Stanford Steve told me that he is a lifelong deep rooted Duke basketball fan, and he texted me last night. SVP says it's his worst trait as a human. <laughs> that he's a Duke basketball <laughs> fan. Now, I certainly am. Uh, I'm a fan of nobody. I have to be uh, just, a, you know, an unbiased, unpartial journalist along the way. But I thought for Stanford, Steve, who has pulled off the dichotomy of having gone to Stanford and played football there, yet being an everyman that everyone can relate to, the notion of him being a Duke basketball fan, which is obviously sometimes uh, stereotyped as being a bit hoity-toity, came to me as a bit of a surprise. That You know what? I had forgotten it. I'm glad you brought it up. When we were there for basketball last year, I think he he came with a friend. I think it might have come for the Carolina game, but I'm not sure. And I think it was his first trip, if I'm not mistaken. And he was he was ecstatic. 
about it. It is a great place to great place to see a basketball game. And we might have we there might be a surprise in the works for the show tomorrow morning that will make Stanford Steve extraordinarily giddy or happy. Oh, is that a little breadcrumb? Is that a little breadcrumb? Just a little, a little hint. bit. Little hint. We'll see. Ooh, look we'll at see. that. We've been on a roll with guest pickers. I'll say that. We've been on yeah. a roll, right? Yeah. If you that go was- the rock to Vince Vaughn, that's a pretty good, you know, I, as you go back to back guest pickers in game day history, that's that, that is a solid duo. It's pretty strong. And Vince Vaughn, I was in the tunnel waiting to make the escape with, with him on Saturday night um, at the Notre Dame game. We all, we always offer this disclaimer. We know we're spoiled. And so the number one objective, as you and I made a great escape at Tennessee last year, it was very similar, Pete. You sit there, you watch to the final play, and the moment the final play happens, you're sprinting to be able to you know, get to the car and make your escapes. So you're not caught in traffic for hours and hours and so forth. So we were able to see the last play. I sprinted out, and I think, understandably so, Vince was, was disappointed with the outcome. But um, – but still, kind of cool. I was sitting there going, wow, this is okay. Vince Vaughn, guest picker, and now here we are waiting to make the escape after the final play of the game. One of the great, that's, one of the great perks of this That's pretty job. cool. I don't get starstruck a lot. Vince Vaughn, whoo, like that's, you know, that's someone I've watched for literally my entire life. So exactly, he had a great line. I don't remember if I if he said it on the set or I heard it on the earbuds um, with, the, with the open mics, but he was like, we, I grew up idolizing. He, he didn't say I grew up idolizing you. He said you inspired me, right? Was yeah. it some, some yeah. sort of banter yeah. like that? And I thought it was really yeah. well said. Like you basically, you know, gave us all these, you know, comedic gifts that, uh, that, that he had, that he had done and he thanked him. It was, I thought it was really, that it was really well said and, and poignant from Pat. And, and how funny was it that he sort of leaned into the character and when he was picking me, he said, I've completed a pass for Notre Dame you know, <laughs> from, from his, uh, role in the in the Rudy movie so uh, he was great it was uh, it was fun to have him on and we'll have a great guest picker this week and maybe a couple of other surprises that will either um, really make the crowd happy or some that might give them a chance to boo so we've we've got to you know you gotta gotta let them experience the entire realm of what it's what it's like to be a fan so Steve unable to be with us but Steve's picks are in I, I think so many road games for ranked teams, especially right at the top, uh, number one and number two on the road. Number of upsets could happen could happen this week. And before we get into the picks, the game where we're going to be is really an interesting one because Duke is undefeated. Notre Dame coming in off of that heartbreaking loss against Ohio State. And it, I think it'll be fascinating to see the psychology of it. I spent a, you know, Good, good deal of time talking to Notre Dame players and coaches this week because I'm calling the game because Fowler's in London to call the NFL game. And uh, Kirk and I are doing this game Saturday night. They're saying the right things. And I also thought it was pretty instructive that they aren't doing the cliched thing of, well, that one's behind us. We've got to move on to the next one. Now, they're saying that, but they're acknowledging the disappointment the anger, the at least for that immediate aftermath period, the emotional devastation of coming up short in that game. But Marcus Freeman, I thought, had a great strategy of going back through it and saying, okay, 
Why did it happen? And not just 10 men on the field. Why didn't we convert to fourth and ones? Why didn't we keep our feet on the line on third and 19, you know, at the marker? Why do we backpedal and give that room? Why did we do that? You know, and trying to find tangible answers to the myriad plays which affected the outcome. Obviously, it was embarrassing at the end to only have 10 players on the field. That That's very embarrassing to the coaching staff and to the players. But there were other things in that game that uh, contributed to the loss, and they're approaching it the right way. It's one thing to say that. The other part is it, of it is can you really get over it and play to that level, or is the hangover so much that it took you until Wednesday and then your preparation suffers and maybe you're not right, not quite on point the way you might be otherwise? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. And I, it, it probably helps that this game, you know, isn't like a trip to Duke would have been for most of the last generation, right? Reese, like that it is uh, a top 20 ranked Duke team, that it is college game day there, that it is the ABC primetime game. Like it's going, they're walking into another spectacle. Now, look, it's not in the same universe as playing Ohio State at home. And I, and I get that, but this is a really good, the really good Duke team that is going to immediately command their attention. And, uh, I really feel like uh, this has been a really interesting resuscitation of Duke because when you look back at the last 20 years and you look how programs have been able to bootstrap themselves up, it's usually extreme personnel changes like we've seen at Colorado, extreme scheme changes, meaning you go to like hyper tempo. When you look at some of these places like Baylor comes out of nowhere and is competing for big 12 titles. Well, they did it because, well, they had Robert Griffin, which helped, but they also had a scheme that was innovative and really did that. Uh, now, Duke has very good schemes, don't get me wrong, um, and they have good personnel, but most of their core guys are guys that Mike Elko inherited from David Cutcliffe. Um, when you look at Barton, the tackle, um, obviously, Riley Leonard was on campus as a backup. You look at the core of that team. I think they have seven portal guys playing for them right now, Reese. Um, so it's been it's been interesting to me. I mean, you look at you. You grabbed your chart. Whew, you're going I in. I didn't huh? know if you would see that or not. I just you're, you're just, going in. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Somebody's done some <laughs> prep. I just have my R lads too deep up, and I'm going to talk about. Uh, I'm going to talk about. Uh, well, uh, is it Jamon Franklin? Is that the right way to pronounce it? The D tackle for uh, Jamie on. Jamie on, I'm sorry. Jamie, Jamie on Franklin. Franklin. Yeah, tra transfer from Notre Dame. From Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's why I that's why I brought him up. He and especially Dwayne Carter, who's the best NFL prospect Duke has on defense. That's the identity of that team. Uh now Jamie on Carter was a transfer. Um Dwayne Carter was there. And that is where their identity is on defense. They can they can be disruptive from there. And then they obviously brought in a, a couple of corners who had some really good years at other places, but for one reason or another didn't stay there. Al Blades Jr. from Miami, Miles Jones from uh, from Texas A&M. They've, they've used the portal a little bit to, to fill out the roster, but they, it's hard to get an uh, influx of transfers at Duke, right? So they've mm -hmm. done a really good job maximizing what they've done there, Reese. And I, I just think Elko deserves a lot of credit. Uh, strength staff deserves a lot of credit for getting the most out of a out of a roster that at one point I think it lost 13 straight ACC games. Ivy League guy, Mike Elko, who has relied on some Ivy League transfers. Uh, yeah. They've got a few of those filling out the roster here and there. And as for Carter, uh, his father 
played too. Also, Dwayne, do you know who his uh, college teammate was? Yeah, Dwayne Carter's father's college teammate was one Kirk Herbstreet. That is correct. As you like to call him four. So, how about that? Four's kids are playing uh, in college yeah. football. Now we'll see. Uh, we'll see one of his teammates' sons on on Saturday night for the Blue Devils. I really think you know. Uh, Riley Riley Leonard certainly had Notre Dame the attention of the Notre Dame defensive staff. Going to have to deal with that quarterback run and the precision passing him. And Notre Dame's really good on the corners. Al Golden was really happy with the way uh, Benjamin Morris and Cam Hart played. They played a lot of man against Ohio State. Not many teams have the personnel to do that. And we'll see if they can, you know, be able to take away some of that passing game and then still control the quarterback run game. And Notre Dame wants to try to find a few more explosive plays because they controlled the ball and shortened the game. They only had seven possessions in the game against Ohio State, but didn't pay off all the drives, didn't convert some fourth and ones. Um, but they're, but against that Elko defense, they're going to have to be judicious and smart as to when they take those shots because Duke has made a living enforcing turnovers uh, over the last two years, both interceptions and fumble recoveries. So, yeah, I, uh, I think that Elko's defense is known for being, when you look at it over the years and obviously Tyler Santucci, his protege who was a GA for him at Notre Dame or quality control, whatever that nebulous paid poorly long hour job is called these days. Um, So their defense is fairly vanilla first and second down. And then third down, they're going to go exotic on you, and they're going to they're going to change the picture on you. They're going to really uh, they're going to really put some stress on the quarterback mentally, especially, and they're going to try to get after you from some uh, some different angles. So it will be interesting. Sam Hartman really hasn't seen that defense because Elko was gone at uh, well, he was gone from the ACC obviously because they would have been at Wake Forest together, and then he would have been at at A and M where they wouldn't have uh, they wouldn't have run across each other. So. Um, yeah, so I I'm I'm I think it's a good matchup. I think Notre Dame has a personnel advantage and I think a lot of it comes down to how Notre Dame handles the environment and handles the 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 gutting way that they lost the the week before. But pretty interesting game, Reese. Yeah, and and remember remember Sam did see it last year when when Wake Forest played when Wake Forest played Duke. That's right. And he said That's and he right. said you know in talking to him today, he felt like I asked him about that. I said no you guys weren't together and you only played them once, but he felt like it was an offshoot. He, he said the whole tree, mm-hmm. he sort of went through the whole tree of when, from when Elko was at Wake, you know, right when he first got there and Santucci and to Notre Dame and to A&M. And, you know, he felt like there was some familiarity with it, but he's got great respect for it. Um, Hartman one and one against Duke as a starter uh, came up short last year, put up a bunch of numbers Said, told a pretty interesting story about the first time they went into Wallace Wade Stadium. I think it was in 18 and wasn't playing much. He said, he said, there were 10,000 people there, maybe. And I assume he was probably being generous. It's going to be a much different atmosphere um, in Wallace Wade on Saturday night, where the, where my son tells me that they're called the Wade Wackos as opposed mm-hmm. to the Cameron Crazies. I don't know if I that's an official like designation it, or if it's just or if it's just something that's been adopted. Yeah, I felt like some of that Cameron energy showed up on that Labor Day night game, Reese. Um, you just probably rewatched that this week in prep. Did you feel that a little bit? Yes, for sure. 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're all going to go, oh, and hold their hand out at them and stuff. <laughs> Be careful. If you're wearing the suit, Pete, don't get close to them. They're all painted because then your suit is ruined. Can't, can't have it. Got can't it. Have I'll, it. I'll keep my distance. Objectivity. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Taylor, let's make some picks, and you get to play the role of Stanford Steve. I cannot wait to hear your impression. He has a he has a really robust TV voice, Stanford Steve. From being around him in person, he sounds like he's always on air. He's got that big baritone kind of booming booming voice, befitting of a uh, a former tight end. So good luck, Taylor. Before we hear before we hear Taylor's Steve impression, weekend preview is brought to you by Eckridge Smoked Sausage. Psst. The secret to winning game days this college football season is Eckridge Smoked Sausage. Visit Eckridge.com for dozens of simple, mouth-watering recipes to elevate your next tailgate. Steve probably likes Eckridge Smoked Sausage. He appears to, to be a man who would in, enjoy some fine meats and cheeses. Oh, I think I think Steve would enjoy some fine meats and cheeses. He's uh, we, we had a nice dinner on uh, Thursday at Ruth Chris uh, right outside South Bend. Yeah, Steve. Uh, yeah, Steve is Steve is. I think getting to know him pretty well these couple of weeks. I think he is. I'm being nice again, which I shouldn't be. I should be ripping on him. He's. I think what America hopes he is uh, when he's SVP sidekick on TV. He's as affable and yeah. I'm being nice. I'm going to stop talking. Steve doesn't no, need no, more no. nice things said about him. This I think is, Damian Lillard got traded. By the way, yeah, this is not a, a woge bomb right right mm-hmm. in the middle of uh, of the podcast. Probably yeah. we need to edit that out because that's happening on Wednesday. This is rolling on Friday. Yeah, no, okay. sorry about that. Yeah. That's all right. No problem. All right, Taylor. Taylor, back to your Steve impressions and you laying out the games in front of us for this week. Well, Reese, we got a good slate of games here. We're going to start on Friday. And that's the thing about Steve. He's got like a really good cadence to how he speaks too. It's very like, boom, boom. Very steady, chugs along here. So, uh, have you thought t- about taking your act on the road? Is is there a, is there an audience out there for? I mock all of my coworkers. Oh man, there's got to be. There's got to be. Wait till I get into a, a Bruce and a Sarah impression after this. Well, we'll mm-hmm. do it off mic. <laughs> Just kidding. I would never. Uh, you have chili and cinnamon rolls for the Sarah impression. Uh, and I'll wear my my Mets hat for for my Bruce impression. So it'll be it'll be great. Everyone's gonna love it. Um, let's get to the the picks here. Race for the ribeye week five. The stakes are stakes. Reese, you outlined the results from week four. Steve, let's cut the let's get the pushes out of there. There were two pushes on there. Um, so Steve five and one. Reese four and two. Pete three and three. So pretty good week for everyone overall. Steve is eight games over five hundred. He's twenty four and sixteen. Reese twenty and twenty. Pete eighteen and twenty two. Uh, we'll start on Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Louisville at North Carolina State. Louisville, a three-point favorite. And Pete, or Steve not only sent his picks in, he sent his rationale in, too. So um, I'll start with with uh, with Steve's pick here. Uh, NC State, 
has not been pretty. Louisville offense has been pretty. Like all previous Brom offenses, Pack mucks it up. I'll take NC State plus the points. <laughs> pretty good. That it's, is pretty good. It's pretty good. He has very pithy analysis. Like he just like drives drives right to the uh, drives right to the core uh, right right to the core of it. This is a, a it's always fool's gold to take the, the the road team in these in these night games on weeknights especially and uh, NC State for all their foibles and upper middle class mediocrity it's a great environment especially for a night game there but that said I am biased towards points and I am biased towards Jeff Brom and I give him a, a lot of credit he turned Jack Plummer his old quarterback into one of the most productive quarterbacks in the country instantly and I just think they have enough. Uh, they have enough weapons uh, with the way Jawar Jordan's playing and the way the uh, the Georgia State transfer at receiver Jamari Thrash is playing where they can uh, they can they can keep the fireworks going. So I'm going to take Louisville. I'm going to take NC State at home for some of the same reasons Steve has, but also because I think I think playing with fire scarecrow will eventually get to Louisville this week. Uh, Louisville. Could have lost to Georgia Tech, didn't. That's to their credit. They had Indiana whipped and then let them get all the way down to the one-yard line with a chance to tie or take the lead. They stopped them, to their credit. But I'll say Friday night on the road, um, I'll take I'll take the home dog and take the field goal and take the wolf pack. Next up, we'll stay on Friday night here. 9 p.m. kick. You guys will be asleep by the time this one ends. But Utah at Oregon State. Yeah, I wrote the wrong thing down here. We'll get into that in a second. But Reese, you can pick first. Washington, Oregon State is a three and a half point favorite in this one. Utah has been spectacular on defense. Um, but sooner or later, they're gonna have to find a little bit more, a little bit more offense to go. This is a different type of offense than the one that sort of cut Oregon State up last week. So uh I'm going to I'm going to go with the bounce back Oregon State uh, winning at home and covering the three and a half and handing Utah its first conference loss of the season and keeping uh, old Beave in the running in the Pac-12. I wouldn't want to pick two road teams in in weeknight games. That just that just feels wrong. And I and I do think that Oregon State of anyone Utah has played so far probably matches up best with them in the trenches uh, on, on both sides. I think Florida has got a pretty good D line. Their O line's just okay. So I feel like Oregon state will be able to move the ball. I feel like Utah hasn't played an environment this season yet. Like they have in research. And I just think the attrition on offense and the inexperience of Nate Johnson, who gets to go in a bit of a hornet's nest here is going to catch up to them. So I am going to take the beave, even though they are giving away three points. Now, I work with Schwink often. He's a mediocre producer. He's a mediocre producer on SV Pod and on Stanford Stephen the Bear. And he will have some excuse as to why he typed that Utah is playing at Wazoo. The Utes have to go to Corvallis. I once a Tex Mex in Corvallis. I'll never do it again. <laughs> Give me the home team minus the points. This is. This is gold. Somebody's <laughs> going to have to sit out the pot every week. This makes yeah. it more fun. <laughs> it Taylor, this gives Taylor an unbelievable format for his vast array of talents. Next up, we got USC headed to Colorado. USC is a 21 and a half point favorite. This is at uh, noon on Saturday. Pete then Reese. So 
I think Colorado will move the ball, as we talked about a, a little bit earlier this week. I just don't think this this game and this pick comes down to Lincoln Riley's penchant for keeping the foot on the gas. And you saw Dan Lanning actually take his foot off the gas. He had all the starters out in the fourth quarter. He didn't have to. But I do think some of the underlying realities for Oregon and USC is that Prime is competing with them for Prime recruits. And I think that a if a chance is available here to send a message, Lincoln Riley is going to send that message. And I still get down to the fact that Colorado's offensive line is not very good. Colorado's defensive line is not very good. And they will wear down in a game like this with somebody who has the, the offensive personnel to match and overmatch them. So I will take the fighting Caleb's and we have a game day conversation with Caleb Williams on Saturday. He certainly didn't say explicitly he was annoyed by the attention at Colorado, but he was excited for the matchup. And if you read between the lines a little bit, um, you could see that he was very curious how things would play out in Boulder and very much looking forward to that opportunity to go up against Shador. What Deion Sanders said last week is right. If you're going to get him, this is a really good time because they're just going to keep getting better. And this will be a very good time for USC. For all of the problems of the USC defense, and there are multiple problems because only UTEP, Central Michigan, and UMass have allowed more 50-yard plays than USC, and you know that Colorado can make some big plays. But there's also this. Only Old Dominion, the team, not the freight line, who helps world keep promises, only the team has allowed more sacks in Colorado. And for all of the bad things USC does on defense, they do one thing well. They sack the quarterback. They've done it 16 times. They're third in the country. They'll get some more. They'll Colorado will pop some plays. They'll score more than they did against Oregon, but it's going to be just as ugly. I think, I think SC gets to 60 and probably beats them somewhere in the neighborhood of 63 to 21. So I'm a I'm laying the points. So Old Dominion's offensive line does not help the team keep promises. Is that what you're saying? I don't I don't know if there's an NIL deal that we can work with them just yet. They've got to improve there. <laughs> get in the get in the one teens and then we'll talk. <laughs> right. You guys, when I write my notes, I really like to write USC with the S as a dollar sign. <laughs> that dollar sign was given up 30 plus points last week in Tempe and didn't come close to covering. So the Buffs, I think they feed off this home crowd and they get a better start than last week. I'll take the Buffs plus the points. That's really good. <laughs> the S is a great detail. He always puts the dollar sign in SC. I'd be curious if uh, Marissa Dowling, our, our, uh, our ace uh, stats whiz, was here. She would probably know Stanford Steve's record when at Stanford against USC. I imagine it starts with a zero. <laughs> Oof. Tough one there. Let's go to our we next get game. one jab in. We said enough nice stuff about him. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, Florida headed to Kentucky. Kentucky, a one point favorite that kicks off at noon. Let's go Reese, then Pete. Only a one point spread. I think this is going to be pretty obviously a low scoring physical game. Who turns the ball over? 
who has the better quarterback. Kentucky hasn't really been tested, or I shouldn't say who has the better quarterback, whose quarterback plays better is, is what I mean there. Um, Devin Leary has thrown at least one pick in every game. Ford only has one interception this season. It's the only turnover they've gotten. Uh, Kentucky has gained a bunch of turnovers, and they've committed a bunch of turnovers. Both teams top 25 and defense Gators top five. I'm a, I'm going to go gut feel here, and maybe it's just the old uh, history kicking in. I'm going to I'm going to take Florida in the single and say that they're going to that they're going to get out of there. So it would probably be a surprise to many of our listeners that by a pretty significant margin, the SEC's leader in completion percentage is Graham Mertz, seventy-seven point seven percent. Uh, give Billy Napier credit. He knows what he has with Graham Mertz, and he has not pushed or tested the limits of what Graham Mertz can do. Um, those are those are the numbers of a uh, of a really good game manager. He has uh, he only has one interception to uh, to go along the way. Now he's a little lower in actual QBR, but Graham Mertz hasn't lost them games at least since the opener when he was just okay. So. Um, I have been impressed with Florida's defensive line. That That's what really stood out to me in that Tennessee game, how disruptive they were up front. Uh, all that said, like, but this game is going to be ugly, right? This is just two offenses that aren't refined. Um, I feel like Florida's defensive talent is going to keep a lid on Kentucky's offense. I just feel like until Florida can prove on the road in a big spot in this new era that they can win, I am going to uh, – I'm I'm going to take Kentucky. I'm going to go against brand bias like Reese did. Buckle up, line it up, and do it again. Test of wills in this one. I'll take the home team. <laughs> Next one, guys. Clemson, a seven-point favorite in the Dome at Syracuse. Another noon kick. Let's go Pete then Reese. Yeah, I feel like Clemson is, you know, obviously like a lot of people, a few plays away from being 4-0 and rocketing towards a playoff again. And I feel like Syracuse has exploited some uh, fairly suspect competition. Lost in the clunky start is that Kate Klebnick's been pretty good. Uh, he's got almost 1,000 yards passing. He's got nine touchdowns, only two interceptions. Um, the flaws are the flaws with, with Clemson. But I, but I do feel like that at least at, at the receiver position, they've found a little bit of uh, they found a little bit of a um, an identity with uh, with Tyler Brown coming on lately. He's obviously a uh, a freshman from down in Greenville. He wasn't really a highly recruited guy. They've had much better recruits or more decorated recruits come in over over the years. So. I feel like they have struggled in the dome, and I feel like this line is a little bit lower because of those struggles in the dome. And Syracuse's stats are bonkers, but they haven't really been tested. So I uh, I feel pretty confident about a focused Clemson going up their backs against their wall and uh, and and slowly depressing the vacuumized air out of the Carrier Dome. I'm laying the points with Clemson. Uh, there were more good things than bad for the Tigers against Florida State on Saturday. Uh, odd game against Duke. Duke forced a lot of those mistakes, but I agree with you, Pete. They could easily be 4-0 right now. 
They're not vintage Clemson, but I just don't see against that defense, which I, I think is improving and with the type of effort and attitude that they brought against the Seminoles on, on Saturday. I don't see Garrett Schrader running wild um, against, you know, against Clemson. And I, I'm going to lay the points. Uh, still can't believe Clemson lost last week. Love the improvements I saw. I know they lost there a couple years ago. Doesn't matter right now. I'll take Dabo and the boys minus the points on the road. Next up, we will go to Kansas at Texas. Texas, a 16 and a half point favorite. This kicks at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go with Reese and then Pete. I'm going to take Kansas in the points on the road, and I'm a little bit afraid of it because their their defense, while maybe improved, um, still is vulnerable. Though, though the play that I think that uh, that I think Bryant made last week to knock the ball free against BYU and then pick it up and score was a spectacular one. Texas, Texas was one of the few teams last year probably did a better job against Kansas than just about anybody. I think Iowa State held them to 14 and Texas held them to 14, blowing them out in Lawrence 55-14 when the Jayhawks were sliding a little bit. You know, Daniels got banged up during the year. But I, I feel like I feel like Kansas is good enough to stay within the number. If they get a break here or there, maybe they'll give uh, the Longhorns a finish. Uh, that would surprise me, but the number's a little too big, and I'll probably feel badly about it when it's 28-7. But um, look ahead to Oklahoma next week, um, coming off a good road win last week. You don't really have the revenge thing going of from when Kansas beat them a couple of years ago because you've already stomped them last year. I'll say Kansas hangs around. I'll take the Jayhawks and the number. There's one thing that Lance Leipold has been at Kansas that's been unbelievably sound, right? Like that, that they've just been solid. They don't beat themselves. They're extremely well coached. Um, you saw that in the fabled Jared Casey game you were referencing, beating them in Austin two years ago with the walk-on tight end, getting the Applebee's deal after I believe he caught a two-point conversion in uh, in in one of the uh, in one of the overtime. So I am taking 16 points on that soundness. I do feel like. Um, the return of Jalen Daniels has gotten a lot of attention, but Devin Neal quietly has become one of the top running backs in the in the Big 12. He's got five touchdowns. He's got 394 yards. And I think that balance, and Jalen Daniels is spinning it. He's completing an inordinately high percentage of his passes. I feel like they'll be able to move the ball a little bit, test Texas. And again, human nature has always been Texas' biggest opponent. And like we said, with the uh, Red River looming, and all the success percolating in Austin, I think Kansas can go in there and make this a game. And uh, I like the 16 points. I don't think they will win, but I think this will end up in the, you know, the 31-21 neighborhood. I'm not saving the graphic here, fellas. I feel like Jalen Daniels and company have enough to hang around. I'll take the Jayhawks. All right, next one, guys. LSU, a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Ole Miss. That kicks off at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go Pete, then Reese. It's hard to have a lot of conviction on on this game. Uh, LSU just was pretty pedestrian against against Arkansas, and LSU's defense has maybe been a, a, a pinch disappointing, considering what we uh, we thought they may become. Ole Miss was kind of a mixed bag against Bama, right? You couldn't leave that game feeling great about anything in particular about Ole Miss. So when in doubt, my, my conviction goes behind raw talent, and I feel like LSU has a lot more raw talent 
than uh, than Ole Miss. And uh, Jaden Daniels is playing as well as any quarterback in the country right now. He's almost got 1,300 passing yards. He's got 12 touchdowns. So I feel like he is built and they are built to go on the road and win a slobber knocker by a field goal. This is a rivalry game. There's Billy Cannon's punt return on Halloween night. There's the year that Ole Miss, 1972, went to Baton Rouge and got cheated by the clock operator, and Burt Jones beat him at the end. And then there was Eli Manning getting stepped on in 2003 and losing the last chance to perhaps lead Ole Miss to a rally and a victory and a place in the SEC championship game, a year in which LSU went on to win the national championship. If Ole Miss had won that game, LSU wouldn't have even gone to the conference championship game. So there are deep and bitter feelings between these two that date back decades and generations. Yet, Ole Miss put so much into last week and the disconsolate sound from the players and the coaches afterwards about we thought this was our chance to get Alabama. I'm I'm thinking hangover here, plus LSU probably – um, has a better team. I've been very high on Ole Miss. I thought Ole Miss was going to win last week, but Alabama looked like Alabama, and Ole Miss looked too much like Ole Miss. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with LSU and lay the points. Reese, I'm with you. Didn't feel like Ole Miss had the players to do it last week. I don't think they do this week. Tigers minus the points. All right, guys. Last one for today. Notre Dame. A five-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Duke. Game day in the building. Let's go, Reese, then Pete. This is a hangover spot for the Irish, too. I've I've watched extensive tape of both of these red stuff, talked to coaches, all of that kind of stuff. Duke is a really, really good team. I think that Duke is still a threat to make it to the ACC championship game. And I really hate giving away points like this to a home dog with a good team. And to use Pete's word about uh, Lance Leipold's team, the same can be said for Mike Elko. They're sound. Uh, They thrive on creating mistakes and turnovers. You never know for sure what's real, but I liked what I was hearing from, from Notre Dame. It seems as if that they haven't necessarily flushed the Ohio State game but rather found a way to use it. Not to be mad, but as Marcus Freeman said, find out why these things happened and fix them, whether it's fourth down conversions, whether it's giving up long third downs on clutch drives, and certainly being able to count to 11 and getting the proper number of players on the field. I think Duke's good, and I just think Notre Dame's better. So I'm going in a desperate spot. I'm going to take the Irish and lay the five and a half. A lot of respect for Duke. Excited to see the environment there on uh, on on Saturday night. I feel like if I'm the Notre Dame coaching staff looking back of all the regrets from that Ohio State game, the number of carries for Audric Estime would bother me. Um, you know, Marcus Freeman in his uh, Monday press conference talked about different packages that we're in and anything like that. But he ended up with 14 carries for 70 yards. He averaged five yards a carry. Uh, Duke has an excellent defensive line. They have two very good interior players, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, with uh, obviously Carter and Franklin, who's a Notre Dame transfer. 
Duke doesn't have the depth. Like these these teams that, especially at academic schools that burst out on the scene, they cannot rotate. Like we watched Texas Reese on the field mm-hmm. rotate mm-hmm. in hoss after hoss, big old humans to to stuff up the line. Like Duke doesn't have that. So I feel like Notre Dame can come in, use one of the best offensive lines in the country with those two powerful tackles to push, 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 and eventually Audric SMA should in cleanup time really at you meaning in fourth quarter winning time, be able to push Notre Dame ahead and win this game on the road. So I feel like a reestablishment of identity is in play here. And uh, in, in estimate pounds, the rock Notre Dame wins by a touchdown. You guys, you know where I'm going with this one as a card carrying member of the brotherhood, John Shire. He baptized me when game day was there for <laughs> basketball. Jay Billis is my godfather. You have to have a godfather when you get baptized. Pete knows that as a Northeast Catholic man. Notre Dame, they better start this game well, but I'll take the home team plus the points. You know, my first question, I can say this on the podcast, I want it to be a surprise, but my first question to Elko, actually probably my last question, is going to be, Jay Billis spoke to the team in the preseason, spoke to your football team. How have you guys been able to overcome that? (laughs) Elko as a New Jersey ball buster will uh, will appreciate that. Okay, I'll I'll save I'll save that for the end. Uh, we'll we'll try to you know what we'll try we'll see if we can get Stanford Steve. This is great information and great synergy between the podcast and the show. Maybe we should have Stanford Steve slap the floor Steve Wojciechowski style, Greg Paulus style. Before every Niagara head coach, Greg Paulus. Yeah. Before every pick slaps the floor and then puts his magnet on the fridge. Right. Yeah. I want to see if Stanford Steven get down in a good defensive stance right there. See, yeah. I would bet the under on his flexibility. (laughs) (laughs) Taylor, excellent job filling in once again, using your comedic skills and timing beautifully. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Good luck. If you like to play games of chance, and we look forward to seeing you from the beautiful campus at Duke for the first time in game day football history on Saturday morning, subscribe to the podcast. That's the easiest way to do it or download it wherever it is you like to get your podcast.